Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. Around 2006, my now ex-boyfriend and I moved into a little apartment together. It was a fairly new relationship, and I was still getting to know his family. At this time in our lives, he became very devoted to his Christian faith and began studying the Bible quite heavily. His mother, who was also quite religious, had expressed to me that when she began exploring her Christian faith as a young adult, she started experiencing visits from demons. She said that they would sit on the edge of my boyfriend's crib when he was a baby to taunt her, as well as make aggressive movements and noises all throughout the night. The only thing that made her feel safe was to pray. She said that when you become closer to God, it angers Satan, and demons will begin to target you and the ones you love. She warned that my boyfriend may have similar experiences since he was pursuing his Bible studies so strongly. As the months went on, I began to experience strange happenings. Now, I'm not saying that his Bible studies and this activity were related, but it definitely got me thinking. One night, I awoke to find that I was completely paralyzed. I tried to talk or grab for my boyfriend, but was unable to. The room was completely black, except for a bit of light shining through the blinds, slightly illuminating my doorway. As my eyes darted around the room, trying to grasp what was happening, I noticed a pitch-black mass moving into my bedroom from the hallway. Great, a sleep paralysis demon. I panicked. It seemed to be staring dead at me. With no way to call for help, I began breathing as loudly as I could, hoping my boyfriend was awake, seeing the same thing I was, and would understand my breathing to be an attempt to get his attention. It felt like an eternity. Eventually, I was able to break free and shake my boyfriend awake. As I did this, the figure disappeared. Everyone told me that it was just a dream or a hallucination from sleep paralysis, but it felt so real. From that point on, weird things began happening all the time, but only to me. I often heard weird noises like someone running around the apartment. A vase also shattered on its own with no explanation. Eventually, we moved from that apartment into a new one and my boyfriend began to neglect his Bible studies. Coincidentally, for that year the activity stopped. A year after that, we purchased a home in a brand new neighborhood. Since it was new, 
I wasn't expecting to move in and have anything weird happen. Plus, it had been well over a year since my last experience. Well, my boyfriend became active with his studies again after we moved in. And for a second time, I experienced sleep paralysis while seeing the scary black mass. This time, it was accompanied by creepy laughter. I was terrified. I'd awake to hear cabinet doors slamming in the middle of the night, or hear my name being yelled. On one occasion, when I was home alone folding laundry, I felt someone very close to my face. Then, I heard a loud whisper in my ear say, Hey! It was horrifying. Our son was a toddler at that time, and he would wake up screaming in the middle of the night, frequently pointing at nothing, and always saying the same thing, that something in his room was trying to melt his brain. He refused to sleep alone. After about seven years in that house, my boyfriend and I parted ways. The kids and I moved into a cute new place. I kept joking that it better not be haunted, which blew up in my face because shortly after moving in, Weird shit started happening. One night, the kids asked if they could sleep in my room. I agreed as I would be watching TV in the living room for a while anyway. About two hours after their bedtime, I started hearing giggling voices. I put on my mom voice and called out, It's late and you should be asleep. I got up and walked over to my room to make sure the kids knew I meant business. The kids' room was directly adjacent to mine, and I had to basically walk right in front of it to get to my room. The door to their room was closed, but as I neared our rooms, I heard the voices again. Although, I realized they weren't coming from my room. They were coming from the kids' room, which was empty. I popped my head into my bedroom to see my children passed out and snoring in my bed. I froze with fear as I realized what was happening. I tiptoed closer to their bedroom door and put my ear as close to the door as possible, trying not to make a peep. To my horror, it wasn't talking I was hearing. It wasn't giggling. It was chanting. I ran back to my room and locked us in with the light on until the sun came up. In the morning, I checked out the room, and none of the kids' toys or electronics made the noise I had heard the night before. I couldn't debunk it. I wasted no time running out to buy sage so I could smudge my house. That was the last experience I ever had. We have been incident-free for about five years now. I don't know why it was all happening, but I'm glad it stopped. Let's hope it stays that way. I have had premonitions, and I've seen things. I grew up in a small town where everybody knew everybody, and your friends were basically family. 
I graduated high school in 2010, and that summer was really hard because I lost four people that I really cared about, one of them being my best friend. The night before she died, I got this feeling that I should call her. I should tell her to be careful on her way to class. She commuted 45 minutes one way to college for comfort and convenience. I didn't call her, though. It was 10.30 or 11 at night. The next morning, while I was in my college algebra class, I got this really sharp pain in my neck. I later found out that she had been hit by a semi-truck when she was coming out of a local gas station. Her neck broke, and she died on impact. It happened at the same time that I had the pains in my neck. Fast forward roughly eight years, and I get this feeling that I really need to check in on my younger brother. He's 45 minutes away at college. Rather than risking disturbing him in class because I didn't know his schedule, but didn't want to ignore the feeling again, I called our mom. While I'm on the phone with her, she gets a call on their house phone from my brother's college. A woman had hit his parked car and totaled it. My brother was fine, thankfully. He had been in his dorm just relaxing the entire time. I never ignored that feeling again. These next experiences took place a couple of years later. I lived in a tiny town with fewer than 500 people. I decided to move in with my then-boyfriend because, honestly, I just wanted to be out of my parents' house. His house was a converted mortuary, something that I knew about before moving. He had plenty of stories. The layout of the house is relevant for some of this. The front porch spanned the entire front of the house. When you walked in the front door, there was a main bedroom to your right, the first living room to your left, and a hallway directly in front of you with two more bedrooms on the right and a bathroom at the end. The second living room could be accessed by either going through the first living room or going down the hall and taking a left, making one big circle. The kitchen was off to the other side of the living room, and that led to a back door that everybody used, even the delivery people. My chair sat by the doorway between the kitchen and the second living room. A few months after he and I got together, I ended up quitting my job for various reasons, so I was home a lot. Several times while there alone, I would hear faint choir music. The best way that I could describe it is the sound of one of those music boxes inside of a stuffed animal. But when the box is dying, each time I heard it, I would tear the house apart looking for the source, but to no avail. After months of me saying something about it, my ex finally heard it one night. Even with his help, we never found the source. The second ghost was a black-eyed boy, very close in looks to the boy in the grudge. He always stayed on our front porch and would look through our windows watching us as we moved through the house. He was definitely evil. Many prayers and spells had been put on the house and he never did leave that porch. I remember watching him glare at us when we moved a few streets over. There was something evil in that cellar as well, but I couldn't tell you what it was. I only went down there twice and jokingly called it the ninth portal to hell. The only other regular ghost was the tall man in the high top hat. I never learned his name or his story, but I saw him almost daily. He was always in the same spot standing just a step or two away from our doorway that went between the second living room and the kitchen. 
He was about seven feet tall, and aside from the really high top hat, he kind of resembled a railroad conductor from the 1920s. He always gave off the best vibes and often smiled at me as I did housework. Sometimes he would watch me play video games on the computer. I only ever saw him angry when the black-eyed boy would try to get in. When I did the last walkthrough of that house, I saw him watching me. I told him that I would miss him and that it was okay for him to move on. With the biggest smile on his face, he disappeared. I know I probably sound like an insane person for some of these, but they're only a small fraction of the paranormal stuff that I've been through. When I was young, I grew up with a great uncle who eventually died of cancer when I was 18. He always sparked so much joy in anyone he met. He always had the best stories. He was the life of any family party. Growing up, he formed a very close bond with my youngest brother. He's six years younger than I am. No one understood why they were so attached, but whenever my uncle would show up, my brother's face would light up and he'd never leave his side. The time came when we were told about his cancer. It broke my brother's heart. I would visit my uncle in his home a few times a month and you could really see how fast the cancer was spreading. My brother came one time to see him in his early stages. I think it was too much for him to bear. When my uncle was in his last moments in the hospital, my brother gave my mom a letter to give to him to read. I had to walk out of the room while he was reading it out loud. It was too much to bear. During this time, I was getting ready to move out of my parents' house. I had my own room, but it was ultimately decided that it would be best to let my middle brother have his own room, so we switched. This led to me sharing a room with my youngest brother. The night of my uncle's passing, we weren't notified until later the next morning. The night of, I was lying in bed and was suddenly awoken in the middle of the night. I laid there for a few seconds before shifting my body to look towards the door. It was then that I noticed a shadow figure standing in the doorway. I didn't feel scared and tried to refocus my eyes to make sure what I was seeing was real. Within moments, the figure was gone. I turned back over and eventually fell back to sleep. The morning after, I woke up to see my brother sitting straight up in bed, visibly upset. I asked him what was wrong, and he told me that he saw our uncle visit us that night to say goodbye. I told him what I saw and was able to confirm that it was around the same time, and he as well felt at peace. We were told later that morning that he had passed. My brother and I don't speak about that moment anymore, but I know it meant a lot to him to know that even in his final hours, he came to say goodbye.
I grew up in rural Illinois. Up until around the age of 10, the places my family and I lived never felt fully like our own. We were a low-income family and lived in a couple of apartments and then a trailer. This story begins where we're both living in that trailer, around 2008 or so. We had actually just gotten the news that we would soon be moving to a big house of our very own. Two stories, a bedroom for everyone, and some beautiful architecture. The house was the oldest on the block, said to be built in the late 1800s. I was so excited about the move. I had been going to the new house with my mom to get some things prepped before we moved in, but it would be a while before we would actually call it our own. Until then, we had to stay in the trailer. One night, with only a few days to spare before we moved into the new house, I remember having a very strange experience. I was in my bedroom in the trailer, sleeping as usual, when I suddenly woke up. Well, I I thought I woke up. Honestly, it was extremely difficult to determine whether I was awake or asleep. It was also difficult to determine what time of day it was. It still felt like the middle of the night to me, but I could see my entire room as clearly as if it were daytime or the lights were on in my room. I almost ignored these strange feelings because one feeling overrode them all, and that was fear. Everything in my bedroom looked completely normal. My posters were on the wall, and most of my belongings were boxed up at the foot of my bed ready to be moved. However, there was one glaring thing that was wrong. Someone was standing in my doorway, staring straight at me. I always slept with my door cracked just enough for my cats to come in and out at night, but here this man was, with the door now wide open. I think I'll remember that moment forever. This person was tall, but not unnaturally so. They wore thick black combat boots, which peeked out from under the ankle-length trench coat that he wore. The fear didn't truly strike me, however, until I looked him in the face, and I was met with the realization that he was wearing this old-time gas mask. Behind that mask, dark brown hair poked out. It looked as if it was so dirty and greasy that the man had used the dirt and grease to spike his own hair up. At ten years old, I was torn between screaming for my mom and not wanting to look like a baby. So I convinced myself it must be a dream, and I did my best to close my eyes and try to go back to sleep, hoping that this stranger in the doorway didn't decide to murder me. I lived to see another day, and we eventually moved into our new house. By then, I had pretty much already forgotten my dream about the gas mask man. It continued to hide in the back of my mind for a few months, though. Our new home was peaceful. I decorated my bedroom and started fourth grade. Then it happened again. This time I had that same quote-unquote dream, but in my new bedroom. I knew it was actually in the middle of the night. It was dark and difficult to see, but I knew I was in my new bedroom. I knew 
that it was the same man I had seen in my dream back at the trailer. I only became more confident that it was the same man because I kept having this dream nearly every night. Sometimes I could only see his shadow, but I could always make out that nose-like extremity hanging off the gas mask of his face. Other times, the moonlight or street lamps outside would illuminate him just enough that I could actually see all of the unsettling details. Don't get me wrong, I was terrified of this man, but he never actually did anything. The dream always went one of three ways. The man just stood in the doorway staring at me, or he would walk across the room and stand in a dark corner. Or finally he would walk up to the side of my bed and he would just stand over me. He never spoke to me, he never touched me, or anything else in the room. I always ended up falling back to sleep before I would see him leave the room. I was so scared of him that I would just shut my eyes and wait for it to pass. Eventually, I started questioning if it actually was a dream. It just felt so real, like I was actually awake when it would happen. I still slept with my door cracked only a little bit, and I tried to pay attention to whether it was wide open like that in the morning. But how could I determine whether or not it had just been one of the cats messing around with the door, right? Well, this dream was recurring for me for about five years, but I mostly kept it to myself. I think I may have talked about it to a friend or two growing up, but I always told people, it's just a dream. I didn't want anyone to think that I was going nuts, believing that an actual stranger might be coming into my room every night. As I said, I grew up in rural Illinois. It's the kind of area where there isn't much for young people to do besides drive to Walmart in the middle of the night and wander around until they kick you out. I've always hated Walmart, though, so I'm always looking for something better to do than that. I think if I wouldn't have been so bored growing up, I probably wouldn't have gotten into creepy stuff like this, but right outside of my hometown is this place called Crybaby Bridge. Now, I know that a lot of places have their own versions of a Crybaby Bridge, and I doubt that ours is the original, or that anything tragic actually happened on it, but I've heard two origin stories. Story one says that a young woman threw her infant baby over the bridge and into the water below many, many years ago, and that baby's soul haunts the bridge. Story two says that a school bus full of children somehow drove over the side of the bridge, and all of the children either died from the crash or drowning in the water below. Either way, when you visit the bridge, you're supposed to put your car in neutral at the start of the bridge, and the ghost or ghosts of a child or children will push your car to the other side. You're also encouraged to coat your bumper with baby powder as handprints will show up in the dust after you've reached the other side of the bridge. I loved going to Crybaby Bridge, so when my older brother asked if I wanted to go there with him and his girlfriend at the time, I was pumped. At this point, I was a freshman in high school, and my brother was a junior. We've always been fairly close, but this was one of the only times that we had done something spooky like this together. 
I really never thought to tell my brother about that gas mask man, the one that was in my dreams, because our conversations just never went in that direction. But once we got to the dirt road that eventually led to the bridge, my brother's girlfriend said that she felt like telling some scary stories. None of us really had any of our own scary stories to tell, so she suggested that we each talk about the scariest dreams that we've ever had. She went first, telling us about a dream that immediately got overshadowed by what I was about to talk about next. When it was my turn to tell my scary dream story, the only thing that I could think of was the gas mask man. I was still nervous that I would be judged for saying that I suspected that it was anything other than a dream, so I didn't mention those suspicions right away. I just sat there in the back seat and started telling my story, much like I was telling it to you earlier. I got to the point where I was describing what the man looked like, the boots, trench coat, and the gas mask. And this is when my brother joined in seamlessly. My blood ran cold and a scream escaped me without my being able to stop it. Without my brother or me going into any more detail, we all collectively decided that we needed to get the hell out of this creepy, dark, crybaby bridge place. But we had nowhere to go except for our house. Back at the house, my brother explained to me the obvious. He had also seen the gas mask man. But the thing was, he was immediately adamant that it was not a dream. To him, the gas mask man was very real. My brother explained to me that he had also started seeing the gas mask man once we moved into our new house. My brother's room was the only bedroom downstairs, and it had double doors that fit together like puzzle pieces. You had to turn the knob and push them to open. He always slept with them shut. Apparently the gas mask man would force those doors open, waking him up out of a deep sleep, just to stare at him, then turn back around and walk away. Other times he said that he would wake up in the middle of the night because he was cold, only to find that his blankets were no longer on top of him. Instead, he found them on the floor next to his bed, folded neatly into triangles like an American flag. Finally, he said that the gas mask man came into his room one night when he wasn't actually asleep. He was on the phone with his girlfriend. He said that that was the last straw for him. He screamed at the man to go away, to leave him alone, and to never come back. Thing is, his girlfriend didn't remember that actually happening at all, despite supposedly being on the phone with him when it happened. But my brother claims that he never saw that man again after telling him to leave. I never saw the man again or had those dreams again once my brother and I came to the realization that we had both seen Gas Mask Man. We tried to talk to our mom and stepdad about it, the only other people who lived in the house. But they laughed. They said that we were full of crap. So I guess they never had the pleasure of meeting this man. I tried to do some research on the history of the house and found records in our local library indicating that a woman lived there whose son died in World War I or II, I believe. 
I thought that that might explain it. Maybe the gas mask man is the spirit of a soldier trying to come home to his mom. But I have always struggled with sleep paralysis. I still have episodes to this day, despite not living in that house anymore. But the things I see during my episodes never look anything like the gas mask man. I still don't know who or what that gas mask man was. My brother and I, we haven't talked about it in many years because... I can tell that it makes him uncomfortable to think about it. I'm sure it was scarier for him than it was for me, but I still think about it quite often. I hope you all get a good night's sleep tonight. I would like to share an experience I had involving the same rabbit demon from the last couple of episodes. When Andy was telling Stephanie's story, I damn near had a panic attack. I actually had to pull over while I was driving to work to recollect myself and stop hyperventilating. I'll preface this by saying that most of my family members have at least one creepy paranormal story but I used to just write them off. It wasn't until my wife got me into odd trails over the summer that I started reading more about it and talking to my family. I looked back and realized I have several of my own. A lot of them I wrote off or suppressed, assuming I was just overthinking things. One of the scariest is my rabbit demon story. I was a scared little boy who always got freaked out, a lot, and easily. Maybe that's why I never told anyone about this, because I was the boy who cried wolf. Much like Stephanie's story, I was haunted by something that looked like Frank from Donnie Darko. The occurrences started when I was about five, I think. He would randomly appear in my bedroom when I was trying to sleep. He would appear in the corner of my room, coming out of the closet. There were times I could swear he opened the sliding door. He would stand there, wave at me, cock his head, and then just stare. I would pull the covers over my head, but then I would just hear a malicious giggle in hushed tones across the room. I would see him maybe once a week or so. Other times, I could hear thick, heavy hopping noises if I was in another room in the house. I'm the youngest of four kids by quite a large age gap and the only boy. When I was six, my oldest sister moved back home for some time after she had my first nephew. They got my room and I got this little alcove in my parents' bedroom to myself. When I switched rooms, my experiences got worse. The rabbit started showing up in my bed, closer and closer to me, every time. He would start chanting my family nickname, Boo, over and over. I had no clue how the hell he knew that name. Only my family calls me that, or Christopher, and my friends only call me Chris. Thinking about that still chills me to the bone, especially while writing this. The worst time I remember 
was when I heard thumping coming from my bedroom while my baby nephew was sleeping. I ran in there, and my nephew was asleep. The TV was on low, and everything seemed okay. But I kept hearing the thumping and giggling. I made my sister leave the lights on if the baby was in there. I didn't tell her why, but I just kept telling her that I was worried about him. I'm surprised she listened to six-year-old me, but I am grateful. The very last time I saw the bastard, I was eight, almost nine. It was actually the night my grandmother died. I was home while my parents were at the hospital. My oldest sister moved back, and I was at home with my two other sisters. I remember being awake and watching Gundam when I saw the rabbit standing in the corner and he started waving at me. He started moving towards me from the corner of my room. I remember hearing an owl call and was overcome by the smell of vanilla and cigarettes. And then the rabbit vanished. He seemed so angry that he was caught. My grandmother loved owls and always smelled like vanilla and cigarettes. We were incredibly close. I would spend a lot of time with her, and she was apparently the one who came up with my name. When my parents got home a couple of hours later, my dad came in to check on me and give me the bad news. I broke down instantly and was inconsolable. After a few minutes, I asked my dad what time she passed. He said about two and a half hours ago. The same time I saw the rabbit. The same time I heard the owl. I never saw the thing again since that night. I actually forgot about it for years. But when I heard the stories on the podcast, it was like a dam burst open. I knew I had to share and not only validate those people's stories, but also help others realize that they aren't alone in this craziness. I have other stories to share, but this one seemed long enough. I hope what everyone gets from this is the validation that you're not alone or just overthinking things. So last week we talked about my toe, my, my little baby toe, my little pinky toe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I had a hard time walking on it. It's still bruised almost exactly a week since the injury. Mm-hmm. My x-ray just came back. Good news is I didn't break it. Good. There's no fracture, but he said it is one of the worst sprains he's seen. He's <laughs> <It> surprised <laughs> that it wasn't broken. It was the worst accident. I had ever seen large Marge. I just yep. thought of that. Put your toe. <laughs> Worst toe sprain I've ever seen. Yeah, he said it was a pretty bad one. But uh, luckily, that, that means that the healing process is going to be a lot easier. I've actually started walking on it just to like try and get some movement back into it. I just wasn't moving it because I was scared of it was broken. And I didn't want to make it worse, you know. Right. Yeah. 
Well, that's good at healing up. You can go rollerblading and skiing with me. That's all I've been thinking about is rollerblading. It's so much fun. You know what it is? It's when you lose the ability to do something is when you want to do stuff the most. It's like as soon as as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to jog today. <laughs> like, no, I right, didn't. Right. I didn't actually yeah. want to jog. It's just the fact that I couldn't made me want to. It's a convenient cop out. We tend to look for shortcuts as lazy humans. Mm hmm. And now I'm like, well, I'll baby it a little bit longer before I start walking again. <laughs> so stupid. That's been me. Like, I'll pinch my back or sprain my wrist just readjusting in my chair the wrong way. And then it'll be like on a Friday or something. And then Monday will roll around. And, oh, man, I was going to start that three-day split on Monday. Shucks. I'm going to start next week. And Shoot. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm always going to find excuses. But, uh yeah, good news is uh, it's not broken, so I'll be up and rollerblading with you in our short shorts soon enough. And maybe even wear some bunny ears. Mm. That would be appropriate now, wouldn't it? That's not funny. That's mean. These guys, these guys, these trickster, these trickster bunnies are freaking people out, man. They're traumatizing. No, I figured we'd go rollerblading in Easter. It's a little too cold to go out right now. <laughs> yeah. I, lo I love Easter, man. Get some baskets. I love the colors. I love the baskets. I love it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I used to hate it. But yeah, yeah, the, the bunny stuff, man. So we are going to have a guest on the podcast. I don't want to say who it is, but we're going to be diving a little bit deeper into this rabbit man thing. I'm very excited. A long form conversation, a very special episode. Very much like our Christmas holiday special, except we're going to have a guest with us. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yes, touching on this rabbit thing, as we said in the past uh, few episodes, we were very unfamiliar with this entity, with this this demon or whatever we wanted. We were calling it like a demon, like a sleep paralysis demon with that first right. story because that was really scary. It behaved like one. But as it turns out. As it turns out. There is an Irish spirit in the uh, the Irish folklore. I actually dug this up on yourirish.com. It's a it's a <laughs> youririshculture.com website direct from Ireland. They have like traditions, folklore, food recipes and everything. And what it's called is the puka, P U C A or P O O K A. It's I used a, to wear a puka shell necklace. Yeah, I know that's exactly what I thought of. Um, your your precious puka shell necklace and my bleach frost tips. <laughs> your Malcolm in the Middle look. Uh, I was such a preppy <laughs> skater boy for like the first half of high school that I just got all dark and edgy. Did you also wear uh, cargo shorts and uh, Hawaiian shirts? Uh, I think that was more like fifth grade, fourth grade. I think yeah, that makes sense because I was like seventh or eighth grade for me. Yeah, the puka, it's this old Irish spirit. It also means goblin. Um, it's a spirit that can take the form of an animal, usually a rabbit or a horse. It's known for playing tricks on humans. In a lot of the stories, it's it's benign and just mischievous. Like it, it's just kind of like causing trouble. And one of the stories that we got, that's kind of what it was. The, it was like um, the author heard like a sniffing sound and it was just kind of like popping its head out. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't really causing any harm. Like the first story we got where it was literally just making its presence known. Exactly. As some do. Yeah. The, the first one, the rabbit thing was literally on top of the person choking them. But th there are some that can, that can cause harm to people, but it's more, more than likely it's just going to be a mischievous spirit. Um, 
basically they have the the power of human speech according to this website they can talk so that mm-hmm. pans out based on the first experience that we got with the one saying say my name it kept repeating right. say my name mm-hmm. like i said it also does take the form of a horse and this is kind of an interesting spin on it the puka as a horse It'll basically just be some wild horse that's inviting a rider to jump on its back in these old folk stories. Whoa. Yeah. And it'll be like, hey, what's up? Jump on my back. I'm a horse. I want to take you for a ride. Hey. Nay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I love that. (laughs) The the horse will basically do a bunch of aerial tricks and stuff that a normal horse wouldn't be able to do. It'd be like this fantastical ride for the guy. And then after all of these death-defying leaps and stuff, because because this happens at night, once dawn approaches, the horse will buck the rider off out in the middle of nowhere and leave them stranded. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. This is my new favorite thing. Yeah, I, I like a puka. I like me a good puka. The puka horse is great. I love the puka horse. But the rabbit... The rabbit is real trouble. The rabbit, um, not necessarily the nicest of guys. It's not something that's completely unknown. It's just something that's not as popular as a cryptid like a a Bigfoot. Apparently so, yeah. Yeah, an entity like the shadow people, the hat man, things like that. I actually first heard about the puka from a listener of Let's Not Meet. She posted a link to the Let's Not Meet Facebook group. Um, This was Megan Benedict. Thanks for sending that in. And uh, I'm really excited to dive into some more Bunny Man stories with our guest we're going to be having on soon. Yeah, I have actually a handful of shorter stories that I've received from listeners. I'm excited to share that with the individual as well. Nice. Good, good. Um, Yeah, I was listening to this. (laughs) I love how we just keep referring to them. This individual that's coming on the (laughs) podcast. Uh, I've been listening to their, their podcast and it got me back into wanting to listen to audiobooks because uh, yeah. has, he has such a calming voice. But uh, I, I really love audiobooks. How about you? It's so much more convenient. I used to think it was cheating, as I know you did too, right? We had that conversation recently. Mm-hmm. But no, I retain it so much better. I read a page and I just I can start feeling the realization set in that I did not retain a single thing I just read. Then I read it over again. And it just keeps happening. And I just throw the book across the room. And it then takes I just, so yeah. long to read a book for people like us and the way yeah. our brains work. Yeah. But it's weird, though, because I can read a Wikipedia article, no problem. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just the act of holding a book. Just Maybe it's daunting knowing, oh, I have this much. I don't know what it is, but I can do Kindles fine, too. I can do if it's segmented. Oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. But I think that the way that prose are presented um, and written it it takes a lot more to to really focus and pay attention to that and use your imagination rather than reading an article on something because it's very exactly. just informative rather than mm-hmm. being you know storytelling. I do tend to lean towards nonfiction as well when I read. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah, but I there I had to look up a study for this because I was so concerned because I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks instead of reading, and I'm like, man, is is this worse for my brain? Like, is this kind of like watching TV? But apparently, according to studies, it's negligible. There's almost no difference in how we retain the knowledge, how we use our brains and our imaginations to, uh, you know, create the worlds that from the books and things that we're listening to. There's no significant benefit 
to reading a book rather than listening to an audiobook, other than the fact that you're sitting there using your eyes to read. Good to know. I can say I've read a few hundred books then. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, you know, <laughs> I got to bring this up. When I texted you uh, to ask what time you wanted to record, you were like, yeah, I'm just eating a popsicle, listening to music, <laughs> hanging out. I was thinking, I, like, was. I don't think I've seen an adult friend eat a popsicle ever <laughs> you since know I was what? a kid, man. I saw these like pineapple cherry things and they looked really good, like the old school popsicles. And I have some tahine. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Do you, you don't like Mexican candy, do you? No, but we do have tahine. I like tahine. Okay, that's cool. And I got the genius idea to slap some tahini on there, and I had about four of those. I feel good, though. Nice. Putting tahini on it. That's interesting, yeah. I'll burn it off in the morning. I, I like I like to put tahini on um, when I drink, like, a Mexican beer. I like to put that on nice. around the rim of the can or the bottle after I just cover it with lime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tahini's good on the right stuff. I'll have to try that. That sounds interesting. But I, I haven't had a popsicle as an adult. At all. I'm an ice cream person. Like, I think that at some point, like in your teens, you change from being a popsicle person to an ice cream person. Please tell me you still take baths. I take baths every week. At least least twice a week. It's really good for you, man. It like calms you down, especially if you've got some Epsom salts in there. You get some magnesium, Mm -hmm. some some candles. You put on a good audio book. Get yourself a popsicle. (laughs) Have a real nice night. <laughs> I do eat ice cream wine. in the bathtub a lot, though. Interesting. I haven't done that. Like, I'll yeah. drink a beer in the bathtub. Oh, that's good, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, popsicles versus ice cream for you. Which one do you think is the ice better? Cream. Ice cream. So, you do Absolutely. like ice cream more, but you'll yeah. purchase popsicles when you're in the frozen section instead of ice cream. That's interesting. I typically don't purchase sweets. I just had a wild hair when I was okay. at the grocery store. I had a wild hair. Um Somebody was talking about getting McFlurry. I think it was like a Family Guy episode we had on the background while we were eating. And somebody said, uh, if this doesn't uh, justify getting a McFlurry, I don't know what does. And I thought, wow, I really want a McFlurry. It's been so long and I got a wild hair. And wouldn't you know it, the ice cream machine was down. No way. Yeah, no McFlurry for me. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Yeah. You could always try a... DQ Blizzard. Oh, yeah. But the DQ is so far away. And the last time I went to a DQ, I got in a serious car wreck on the way home because I was eating while driving. I like, le- <laughs> I like leaned down to take a bite of my food. I got I got food and ice cream. <laughs> I leaned down to take a bite of my food. And when I looked up, there was this giant truck right in front of me that was stopped at a green light because they were yielding to turn left. And I slammed right into them and totaled my car. Oof. Yeah, it was a nightmare. I actually uh, woke up on the bed of their truck. Not woke up. I was, according to them, I got out of the car and I like kicked a piece of my car that fell off. And I was just, I looked all discombobulated. And the woman that I hit, she pulled her truck over to the side of the road and helped me up onto her truck bed. And then I kind of came to, like I was delirious. I was out of it. I didn't even, I blacked out. Can you retell the story? Can you start over, but use your narration voice? Stop it. <laughs> uh, and uh, she she was actually nice to me because I, I bent her bumper a little bit, but that was it. I totaled my entire car, but I only bent her bumper a tiny bit. And I just remember her talking to me like, don't worry about it. You got you got full coverage, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, don't worry about it. You'll get the check. You can go get a new car. You could go get a Bronco. I really like those Broncos. You should check out Broncos. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. I love that. I love those wholesome interactions. She was so cool. She helped me out a ton because I was so scared because I'd never been in a car wreck. 
I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh man. She was cool about it. Yeah. Did I ever tell the story about my car accident? No, I didn't know you got in a car accident. I was driving to work at around maybe five o'clock in the morning off of some county road. And then there was a wider truck that was coming in the opposite direction. So I went off to the right just a little bit. And I guess I hit a little bit of gravel on the shoulder. And once that happened, my truck started to fishtail a little bit. And I slowly tried to get back onto the pavement, but it was too late. Wow. And then I basically, I was going like maybe 55 or 60, fishtailed off an embankment and nosedived off of the road about 20 feet below and rolled into an almond tree. And I fractured my back. So you did fracture your back. So you did fracture something. Yes. Yeah. That's a breakage. My T11 and T12 were fractured. Okay, that's a breakage. You got me beat then. Oh, I guess so. You know what? That's right. Yeah. A fracture is break. <laughs> I guess I only really count if it's on like the foot or the hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you no, know no. What you, I mean? you, that's even worse. You had it worse off, man. Yeah. Um. Dang. I wanted to be the kid in school that had the cast, you know? Yeah. Oh, this is worse. Did you get the bandages around the torso like Wolverine does? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I got a... Uh, some sort of back brace, but it was Velcro. Ah, man. Yeah, I wore that oh, around man. for a while. That's terrifying, man. Ew. I've I've ran off the road before. I fell asleep while I was driving, and I, I just woke up to the bum, 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 bum of me driving through dirt on the side of the road. And Whoa. a cop pulled over right behind me, and he was just like, hey, you have anything to drink? And I was like, no, I fell asleep. <laughs> I got <laughs> up at work really late, and I fell asleep. I was totally honest with him. And he's like, man, where do you live? And I was just like, Pfft. 20 minutes up the highway man i got a ways to go (laughs) he followed me all the way home oh nice yeah really cool dude i feel like that's what i would do if i were a police officer 100 percent. i definitely would nice deeds like that yeah for sure yeah it was scary my accident i remember my life actually flashing before my eyes Mm -hmm. and just screaming and knowing impact was about to happen and (sighs) not knowing if it was going to take me out or not i know that feeling yeah when i looked up from my Dairy Queen (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, my life flashed before my eyes I saw it coming at me and so many thoughts went through my brain at once that split second before impact my brain went wild it was crazy I wonder if anybody's gotten an accident listening to our podcast maybe listening to me in my first 10 episodes I wouldn't blame you (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) cover half the cost you're You're good man you're good Uh, thanks everybody for listening this week you have heard I Heard Chanting from My Kids' Room by Ray, The Mortuary House by Casey, The Night We Were Visited by My Uncle by Christine, Gas Mask Man by Charlie, and finally, Another Creepy Rabbit by Chris. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you want to hear your story on the show, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. And don't forget to check out the new episodes of our other podcasts on Cryptic county at crypticcountypodcasts.com like let's not meet a true horror podcast and the old time radio cast we'll see y'all next week stay safe peace out